Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an educational and entertaining exploration of all things erotic. From sacred sexuality to fetishes, power exchange relationships and leather life, BDSM to polyamory, as well as simply fun kink. Each week, we bring you a diverse offering of erotic life in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. If you are offended by this type of content or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. Here we are in our mobile studio. <laughs> I like our mobile studio, though. Also known as a random hotel in Buffalo, New York. We are actually... Uh, laying in bed. Laying in bed. <laughs> I've got a cup of coffee here. And we've got the old uh, mobile studio sitting on our lap. Oh, I like it. Nice and comfy. It is comfy. Uh, we are, as I mentioned, on the road to Buffalo, New York. Uh, um, no, we're in Buffalo, Buff- New York. In Buffalo, New York. On our way to Tees in Canada. Mm-hmm. So that will be our first international gig since we started doing the presenting thing. We'll have to update our little uh, bio and profile. We will now be international. And I, I keep wondering, does Canada count as international? But we had to bring our passports, so... It counts. <laughs> I bet if we ask those in Canada, they will say, hell yeah, it counts. Because <laughs> they're so different than <laughs> below the border. <laughs> uh, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking with Donald Michael Craig. He's the mm-hmm. author of Modern Sex Magic. It is the book about sex magic, if yes. you want to know about sex magic, from a um, usable perspective, not just a historical or a theoretical perspective, or if you just want to have better sex. Mm-hmm. He's got some wonderful tips for that in there as well. Yeah, great, great interview. So I really had um, a good time hanging out with him at Babylon Rising and a nice sense of humor. And yes, definitely a practitioner, not just a, a person of theory. So that's that's always great. Yep. And a podcast uh, enthusiast or technology enthusiast, enthusiast may notice that the uh, the podcast, the recording... Has a, a stumble here and there, and a. <laughs> well, that's funny. I thought he just said that there or here, but uh, we are recording outside, and you'll hear towards the end of that recording a um, a rainstorm hit. <laughs> a rainstorm hit and ended the recording, whether we wanted to end it or not. Yes, yeah, so a little a little abrupt, but it was a lot of fun. So. So what is this? Well, before we start talking about sex magic, because you and I have plenty of experiences that mm-hmm. we're going to share about sex magic and what it is and. Um, well, just stories of me fucking you in a magical way. Um, oh, speaking of great interviews, uh, we had we were interviewed by the radio show, and how do you say it? It's got libido in the front, so is it libido decon? Libido decon? Something I thought it was like Libicor. Well, it's one of those, but it starts out with libido, so we we'll definitely have to put that in the show notes because it was fantastic. You can indeed find a link um, in the show notes. We were actually traveling on that day, too. We were somewhere in Kentucky. Yes. And uh, we got a hold of them, and the not only from a, from a tech perspective, it came out very well, but also just... Uh, you know, these guys were very well prepared. They'd mm-hmm. all, it was an interview about our new book, Living MS, 
and they were very well prepared and they discussed it and they were, you know, they had obviously read the book beforehand. So that was very cool. Oh, and it was kind of neat because um, it, it, they have some vanilla crowd that it's not a BDSM show. It's a sex show. Right. And even one of the um, interviewers was a little taken aback with the whole idea of the master-slave concept. And with the research that, well, there was two of them that he had done and that she had done really put them off. What they found on the internet right away really put them off. But th they ended up coming up with some really good questions of how can this be a healthy relationship? And instead of attacking or anything, they asked the question, said, this is why we're asking, and then gave us space to speak. And it was just really awesome. Yep. The um, neat thing about it was we have been interviewed a lot lately. Yes, on a lot have. of different shows, and mm -hmm. it goes different ways for different people. And not all of our interviews are so good as well. So um, <laughs> I would definitely check, recommend checking that out. It is up on the website now, and uh, I'll put that liber Liberator, Libacordian, Libacordian. Let's call it that for today. Okay. I'll put a link on our show notes as well. Um, so speaking of living MS, mm -hmm. I will just segue that directly into our question of the day, which you haven't even, you don't even know what it is yet. I have no clue. You wouldn't let me look. No, I wouldn't because I want you to have a fresh perspective. Ah. The question of the day is... Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry, I got to sip my coffee. <laughs> Does not enjoying pain make me a bad slave? Aw. Does not enjoying pain make me a bad slave? See, I learned that trick with the title runs. You repeat the question yes. while you think. <laughs> um, a bad slave? No, absolutely not. There's, there's nothing about being a slave that says you have to enjoy pain. Or that there has to be pain involved at all. Or that BDSM has to be involved at all. I mean, like we say, MS is how we live. BDSM is how we play. So you don't need to be a pain slut or anything of that nature to be... A slave, and and I hate the idea that someone thinks that they're a bad slave because they don't live up to some idea that they've read somewhere. Right, and again, this gets into our uh, a little bit of terminology, which is mm -hmm. why we covered it in the book. Um, master slave are power exchange relationship terms. They have nothing to do with topping and bottoming. Right. Uh, so pain does not come in. Matter of fact, being a good, you know what? It benefits me as a master if you don't like pain. Because if I have some reason that I have to punish you, it's that much easier, and it'll hit that much harder. It'll hit that much harder. Ha -ha. Ha -ha. Um, when it comes to BDSM, I don't need you to enjoy pain either. There's a variety of different methods mm -hmm. of BDSM, and whipping is not the only thing that some people enjoy, or caning, or things that are particularly painful. There are things that are not painful that are enjoyable as well. Uh, they don't get as much coverage. They don't get viewed as much. But, for example, rope is a great example Absolutely. of something that can be painful but can, can also be very sensual, mm -hmm. you know. And um, some of our play, I mean, we'll joke around that I'm a pain slut because I do like pain. I like the endorphins. I like the vulnerability that is involved with even getting to a, uh, trusting someone enough to open up to being in a place where I can receive pain. Um, you know, I enjoy all that, but I also enjoy the sensual. We've done sensual scenes many times as well, whether it's just the metal claws, you know, they can be sensual as well as, 
as as painful. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, understand your own limitations and what turns you on. What turns one person on does not turn another person on. So, not a bad slate. No, not just, at all. And and the real key to that, by the way, is find a master who that this works for. Right. You know, if you're looking for a master and part of his needs is heavy BDSM scenes where he's shoving needles in you all the time, probably not going to work. Find a master that does not require that as part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. I agree. Easy one. Easy one. To us. Because we've us. been around the yeah, block yeah, for yeah. a while. Absolutely true. Uh, a quick hoily-doily to Miss Piggy, an obsessed slut from Australia. Thanks for reaching out and saying hi. And what a great pair. You know, I would love to see people seen that were named Obsessed Slut and Miss Piggy. I don't know what kind of scenes they do, but I bet they're interesting. And, oh, by the way, so we're getting ready to travel into Canada. Mm-hmm, we are. Did you know that if you fly, that the TSA cannot take away your dildo? Really? So I've heard. They might like it enough to where they take it for different reasons, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So that's what they do in those little rooms. <laughs> but legally, they cannot take it away. So we got it. Okay. Yes. We uh, were uh, sent an article. Uh, I'm not sure if I can use this person's name, so I refer to you as C. And uh, the name of the article is, The TSA Won't Stop You From Packing Whips, Chains, Cuffs, and Other Toys in Your Carry-On Luggage. But shame might. But shame might. Hmm. So apparently, uh, according to this article, and you can find that article over at lifehacker.com, it is completely legal for me to carry around BDSM toys, and the TSA won't uh, stop me. True. Now, I don't think this is actually true, and this is the problem because Lifehacker is not a BDSM-friendly magazine. Oh. So their thinking of BDSM toys is, you know, whips and chains and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Well, that's fine. People that are into knife play need to think of it a little deeper than that. You don't want knives, obviously, in your carry-on. Yeah, electric play, needles. Electrical play would be, you know, like those shocker units. Mm -hmm. Again, not something you're going to have on your carry-on. The TSA will have a problem with that. That's their toys. Um, Needles I don't know about. Needles, I remember someone that flew into one of our last events, and she said that she had all of her needles organized in clear cases and put a little sticky on the cases, you know, okay to look through, but inventoried. Okay. So that the TSA would know that they were inventoried, but she had them all in clear boxes so that it was very obvious she knew these were going to be looked at. Mm-hmm. So okay. and it made oh. it to the event. Sure, sure. And then something that um, uh, Dark Angel from the Dark Side podcast, uh, mentioned that I was not aware of. Um, and if it's, if it's not true, we'll blame not nice. But what, I was, what he said was that, if you, that in, in Mexico, whips are considered uh, torture implements oh. and are illegal there. Wow. So traveling into Mexico, you'll have a different set of rules. Uh, they also mentioned Muslim countries have a very stricter view on what a sex toy is and don't even uh, uh, and often will question any use or need of a sex toy whatsoever. Um, well, we're getting ready to travel into Canada, and we have been told to um, be careful at the border here as well. So we brought a small to- toy bag, but we've been told that that can be a little risky. Yeah. So we'll see. Another interesting aspect for travelers is, um, although we should not have a problem at the uh, Canadian border with our sex toys, 
we do have a bunch of electronics, and apparently they can, mm -hmm. if they choose to, they can go through your electronics. And we're talking about the things that are on your computer. Right. And therefore, your porn, um, you don't need to be careful of your porn. I mean, our we have a lot of porn, and uh, none of it is illegal porn. It's all, le well, at least in our life, it's <laughs> all legal. Most of it's of me, no. <laughs> and of it is of you. Um, and if you don't believe us, write to the podcast. <laughs> Um, we can send you samples. Speaking of, and there's a little a sidebar. Uh, do you remember a couple episodes ago? So let me finish with the porn comments. If you have porn on your computer, they'll slow you know the whole process of you getting through down some as they go through it to check it. And on occasion, they catch illegal porn on there. And good kudos for them for catching the uh, not good stuff. The uh, aside comment was, so that's that conversation's over, new conversation. <laughs> uh, sometime ago, I captured 90 seconds of you being canned. Yes, sir. Somebody wrote into the show and said, boy, I'd love to hear more of that. Uh, and it was a local person. And I said, well, that would be, yeah, sure, we'd love to share more of that with you. Um, matter of fact, it'd Did be... Did you say, why don't you come over? <laughs> actually, I said, we could come over there. And you could just uh, listen live to Don being canned. Uh -huh. And they said, that'd be wonderful. And... Um, we have not actually hooked that up yet. We have not set that up yet. The problem, of course, our time is pretty tricky. And right. you ever notice when we're most randy, those people are not nearby? Yes. But when they are nearby, it's like, um, we're not kind of like having dinner right now. So. <laughs> so funny how that works. Yes. We'll have to set that up. We Well, I will leave that to your hands. Ooh, yay. Um... <laughs> All right, so let's get into our topic. So are you a sexual magician? I believe I am because I do practice it. So I don't practice it often, but I practice it enough to be a practitioner. Are you? Um, that is a loaded question. <laughs> you asked it. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. And the reason I'm going to say yes is because I have, although irregularly, mm -hmm. I have been involved in fairly recently ritual yes and this is not just like ms ritual but magical ritual and sex has been part of the energizer of those rituals mm -hmm. so therefore if so facto i am see i guess where i'm getting stuck on the idea that i am a sexual magician in that i don't lead that stuff i participate oh. but i don't lead so i think i am more of a battery than a, or a participant or a cheerleader than a magician myself. But have you done sex magic and have results occur from it? You mean like orgasms? No, I mean <laughs> like, like do you have an intent in mind and that intent come true after the sex magic? Um, that's a wonderful question. If I was a smart man or a serious practitioner, I would be keeping a magical journal. Right. So that I would have... Uh, and And... Donald Michael Craig talks about what a magical journal is and the value of that. He also defines magic for those that are shaking their hands and were mid-stroking, jerking off, listening to talking Don <laughs> masturbating, and then what? <laughs> Sexual what? Um, I don't know. Have you? Yes. Tell me. Um, well, it's been years ago. It was before we got our house, and we were still in an apartment, 
and we used to pra- practice a sigil magic. Mm-hmm. And sigil magic is where you um, use a phrase, and from that phrase, there's like a formula that you use, and you know, from that phrase, you create a design, and you create a symbol, and you create a symbol. That symbol means nothing to your head, right? It's a random symbol, but it's designed from an intent. And while you're having sex, you have a picture of that sigil close by so that you can see it. And then when you have the orgasm, you put all that energy, you focus all that energy into the sigil. And that fires the sigil. Mm -hmm. And then when you're done, you tear up the sigil and you burn it or you flush it or whatever. The sigil is done. You don't want to think about it anymore. You don't want to record it anywhere else. You just let it do its work. And I have had results happen and they've happened in ways that um weren't normal that didn't follow a regular process okay so it felt like it was a gift from the universe it felt like something had made it happen that i don't know would have happened if i hadn't done something like that okay very cool so you know and i won't go into specifics but you know, and, and we've done magic since then, and we've done healing rituals, and we've done mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff that have, um, I've seen the benefits in other people. I've seen the benefits within myself. I've seen, you know, all this stuff. So I feel very validated when it comes to sex magic. Good, good. I certainly, um, see, I'm not a big thinker, right? I don't mm-hmm. think about this stuff too much. I do experience it. So the thing, we, the Lilith drawing down that we did at Babylon Rising just a few weeks ago, um, there was a lot of woo stuff going on there. There was some stuff mm-hmm. that did not appear to be, uh, and there's at least one or, uh, well, there's a couple things that you simply, I would have difficult, difficulty with logicking away. Right. Now, I appreciate, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you can, you can put enough effort into logicking away anything. You can logic away a belief in God or any other deity, and you could logic away yourself into anything you want, right? And mm-hmm. so, and that's not good or bad or right or wrong even. And maybe, um, but you see, the funny thing, and I'll just speak for myself. I am not too um, concerned with what is capital letter real and capital letter true mm-hmm. as much as I'm concerned with what makes me happy and what gets results. Right. A good example of that is there's a particular, uh, as long-time listeners to the podcast will know, I'm a Buddhist and there's a particular f- a tradition in Buddhism that suggests that baby Buddha, when he was first born, everywhere he walked, whenever his foot touched the ground, a lotus blossom would spring up. Um, there are other Buddhist sects that say that's just fable and story to illustrate something. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care if that really happened or it didn't. It doesn't matter. The current practices of Buddhism work for me. I therefore continue to work on them. So we talk about sex magic. It does work for me. Mm-hmm. So I continue to work on them. Now, I get very interesting and intelligent people will have wonderful, intelligent, interesting conversations about the theoretical aspects of that. So I, that was a little soapboxy for this early in the it, morning. Yeah, I don't know. It is early in the morning. Where's my coffee? So, <laughs> but, um, but I yeah. drank it. <laughs> well, it is gone. But, um, so tell us about that Lilith theory. Lilith so, okay, ritual. so because I do like to look at the... At at the the whys and wherefores, and when it comes to magic, I've really had to drop a lot of that, and it can be a little little difficult for me. But when you just step back and experience it, oh my God, the things that happened at Babylon Rising, mm-hmm. you know, how can you explain some of that stuff away? Yeah, 
I give up. I don't do it anymore. But um, with Lilith, what we did was there was um, a girl that we, we were, she works with the energy and the deity of Lilith. And again, we can go into whether it's an archetype or a, 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 an actual being or, or whatever. But anyway, so the point was to draw in, in Lilith. And we did that. We called in Lilith. We gave her a container, which was a, a female. And then we welcomed her in. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what. When this female looked at me regularly during the day and when she looked at me as Lilith, it felt like two different people. Mm -hmm. So that's the type of stuff I try not to, to look at too deeply <laughs> just because it is. So we drew her in. We welcomed her in. And then um, we did something called a flesh tent. Are you ready for the flesh tent story? Oh, absolutely. That's what okay. I'm getting. I'm good, good, sitting good. here stretching, you know, <laughs> stroking myself waiting to hear this story. It's a good story. So in the middle of the field, there's this huge field at Babylon Rising, and there was two tents. There was a, um, a feast tent, and there was a flesh tent. And in the flesh tent, the idea was, you know, everybody was told up front what was going to happen, and this tent had walls, and it was a very tall tent, and inside it was full of pillows and blankets and little mattresses and things like that. Mm-hmm. So to go into the tent, we welcomed Lilith in to the priestess, and the priest and priestess went inside of the tent, and they started getting busy in the middle of the tent. The rest of us got naked outside of the tent, and then if you, we were the first ones in as partners, so we went in as partners and went and claimed our space, and then everybody else came in, and they were either partners or there were some single people. And the idea was is that you would stay with your partner. It's not like it was a mass orgy, um, but you stayed with your partner. Or if you were single, you masturbated, or there was someone else already there designed to help you out. There were a couple people there that were helping the single people. Uh, they were interacting directly with the single people. Right. So I want to call them priestesses because yes. that's the language that they use. Absolutely. Um, so they were priestesses. This, this is what they do. So we're all standing around to start with, and we're standing in a circle around the priest and priestess. And the, the head ones in the middle. And as we welcomed Lilith again, this gust of wind almost picked up the tent. Me and another girl had to hold the, the poles of the tent down to keep it on the ground. And it actually ripped off part of the, um, the roof of the tent. Freaked us out. We're all looking at each other like, oh, maybe a storm's coming. Well, no, it wasn't a storm because there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And that was the only gust of wind that happened. So that's one of those things that's like, don't think about it too hard. <laughs> but anyway, then we all sat down and um, basically got busy. So Dan and I had sex. A couple next to us was having sex. A couple on the other side of us were having sex. His leg kept bumping into mine. And it's like, so to me, that's a definition <laughs> of an orgy. I was touching someone else. Um, you know, and we all had sex to orgasm and it was really neat because when you and I orgasmed, my head was actually touching the other priestess's head mm -hmm. and she instantly had an orgasm as well. And all that orgasmic energy we had intent and the focus of the intent was joy. I forget because we released it oh, afterwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we yeah, set so. up a, uh, Oh, it wasn't joy. I thought it was courage. It was one or the other because a lot of us had different ideas of what it should be. And, you know, while we're doing it, of course, we were focused on that because we chanted it and, you know, and things like that. But then afterwards, you kind of release it with the orgasm and then you don't think about it again because you want it to um, organically take on its own thing. Mm -hmm. So 
but um, absolutely amazing. And then, and then everybody showered afterwards. And to me, the the, the you know the the words that you're using don't really express how powerful no. this event was. And the difference between an orgy and a sexual magic or a sex magic working is that in an orgy, we would all be involved in each other. Mm -hmm. You know, I would be fucking you for the purpose of having sex with you. Right. Or I might be having sex with you and some other person mm -hmm. for, the, for that purpose. But it'd be about pleasure and the experience of pleasure and sex is my guess. Right. Whereas magic has a different intent. Right. So we're in there. Our intent was to be focused on a particular goal, a particular um, thing and that we decided this is going to be the purpose of this and to take all that energy and that orgasmic energy mm -hmm. and to focus it into a particular instead of each other or just let it blah to take that energy and bring it to focus and focus it on a particular target in this case the person who was uh, channeling Lilith yes so, and it was definitely sex, and it was definitely sex magic, and, you know, like I said, there was ritual around it, there was intent around it, there was will around it, there was, you know, all kinds of stuff, and we felt it went very favorably, I mean, that gust of wind was just amazing, and just the feeling of euphoria afterwards, I mean, everybody just walked out of there with smiles on their faces, and it was really intense inside of that tent, too, just to look around a little bit and see mm -hmm. what was going on, that was wicked, but... Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that wasn't the only ritual that happened there over the weekend. There was another little one. Um, this one couple wanted more information about this book that they were working on that they had found out of nowhere and wanted to call in um, a more ancient energy. So they tied her up and called in that energy to speak through her. And that was more of a, and that was an interesting ritual as well in that it involved not only the sexual aspect, but also more of a BDSM aspect mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, we took one of the girls, um, one of the priestesses, and put her on the bondage frame, and you got to pull in her energy with flogging her. Mm -hmm. So she became a battery for the magical working, and it was ritual-spaced. You know, there was a structure to it. There was an intent. And between the girl that got... Um, in voodoo, they call it ridden. Mm -hmm. So she was ridden, and... Um, Dan created the battery with the other priestess, and my role, I got to do my first CBT. <laughs> I did, I did. So they gave me a cup of ice water and said, when he is uh, possessed, and I hate using that word, but yeah, it, it, it. it is true, um, when he, the priest, becomes possessed, then to knock him back into reality, you will take this cup of water and throw it on his genitals. And I was like, what, what, what? I can't do that. That's not what I do. And then I kind of got this little evil feeling. And it's like, all right, I am doing this in the name of magic as a priestess. When it is time and he does the appropriated action that shows me it is my time, then I will throw ice cold water onto his penis. And it worked. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. That would be rather shocking me back into <laughs> Into anything. this plane, yes. So that was a lot of fun. And oh, I really loved this event. So to come back to your original question, or my question, I don't know who asked it, am I a <laughs> sexual did. magician? Uh, the answer is no. I am not a sexual magician because I perceive a magician as someone who is uh, technically savvy, who has technical skill. Okay. I instead will consider myself a sexual wizard. 
in Ooh. that I perceive a wizard to be somebody who simply channels energy and manipulates energy and uses energy. And that mm-hmm. is, that's what I do. Okay. So, see, I was going to argue with you the first time around, but uh, wizard, I kind of like that. So, so, I'm definitely a practitioner, but it's not my specific mode of doing magic, but uh, maybe something I need to look into a little bit more. Maybe it is. Mm. And so, let's see uh, what Donald Michael Craig has to say about this and if he can explain that extra K. So here we are at Babylon Rising, one of the series of workshops that, or uh, interviews that we're going to do out here. Mm-hmm. We uh, A little bit ago, we had the opportunity to sit in a workshop with uh, Donald Michael Craig <laughs> and his uh, presentation on sex magic. Yes. And I said, hey, I got a microphone. You got a great voice. We should get together. Absolutely. Why, thank you very much. <laughs> and hello to everybody. From the oceans to the seas and uh, across the United States. I think that's a copyright phrase, but we'll keep going anyway. Uh, it probably is. But... Uh, we are in the middle of a kink uh, and magic workshop, and this beautiful storm is coming along. And the storm said, I will hold off long enough for you to get this interview out. So that's very kind of it. Yeah, but it kind of interrupted the suspension scene we were supposed to be seeing, but that's okay. Yes, if you hear rumbling, that's not my stomach. (laughs) That is genuine thunder. So, So, you have a book called Modern Sex Magic, and listening to your workshop, you clearly have done a lot of research, you know a lot about sex magic. You're a practitioner as well, not just a um, theorist. uh, Not theorist. Absolutely. Uh, One of the things that I have observed over the years is that there are a lot of people who will look and find a market and say, I could write a book on that subject. Mm -hmm. And they end up putting out book after book on a variety of subjects as a result of research. And some of those books are very good and very valuable. I would much rather do the work, find out the in intricacies and the issues that people have. For, an, uh, for example, a lot of people, uh, perhaps people listening, might think, oh yes, uh, a sex magic ritual, that's got to be something like eyes wide shut <laughs> and you know, have a bunch of people come together and all of that. But the fact of the matter is, when you have a bunch of people coming together to do magical work, it's very challenging to keep the energy levels mutual, to keep everything working. Um, If one bunch of people or even one person has a lower level of energy, bring that uh, energy up. If a person is about to uh, orgasm too early for the effect of the ritual, then to uh, bring them back down, it's a great challenge and you don't see information about that in any books except for mine uh, modern <laughs> sex magic, because I've worked with people who have done that and have had that challenge mm-hmm. and one of the things that I just mentioned uh, and if someone orgasms too early well how could that be a problem well it's the same reason that they have the infamous money shot or pop shot in porn films it's because that's when uh it's because watching someone orgasm encourages other people to orgasm orgasms that's why the money shot is so important in porn films in real life that is if you are at a, a sex magic ritual or if you go to something such as a swing club it's not just the observing it's also the energetic changes that goes through people who are having an orgasm 
Vanessa, I was saying the people who are having energetic changes that go th- uh, that occur when someone has an orgasm are very, very attractive and magnetic, and they can cause other people to have an orgasm. So, uh, and there's nothing wrong with orgasms. I think everybody likes them, and the more the more the better, as far as I'm concerned. But when you're doing magical ritual, it's important that people work together, focus their energy, and if you suddenly have the energy being drawn off by a bunch of people orgasming at the wrong time, it can disrupt the effect of the magic. And uh, if I may continue on, of course, that leads up to the question of, well, what do you mean by magic, which we haven't covered. I was just going there. Well, that's great. I must be reading your mind. While he continues to do this, this is perfect. I must be reading your mind. Absolutely. (laughs) Magic is simply the idea, uh, excuse me, the ability to create a willed change. That is, if you have a desire or a goal, to manifest it. Now, there are many ways to do that, and one way might be to go out and get a job and earn the money to get that car that you wanted. But another way could be to create and direct our body's infinite energy into a space where the universe literally will bring your goals to you. Uh, It sounds all sorts of goofy and ridiculous to people who don't practice it, but when you actually work it and do it repeatedly and keep seeing the goals that you have manifest, then it's not just chance, it's not a coincidence. What causes it, what causes it to happen, toy book? Uh, <laughs> I, as far as I'm concerned, it must be something that I don't quite understand, so I'll simply call it magic. Okay. And that's what I consider magic to be. And, and you'd mentioned earlier the importance of keeping a, a working journal, I think he called it, uh, as you're exploring? Yes, uh, a working journal is fine, a magical journal, a magical diary. And the reason is just for that. If you do something once and it happens, it could be a coincidence. Mm-hmm. It could be chance. And I'm not talking about foo-foo new age, which sometimes rhymes with new age, or should be pronounced new age because that rhymes with sewage. (laughs) Sometimes. But if you keep a record of it and you see the same things happening over and over uh, time, then it uh, it goes beyond just being, oh, this could be chance and saying there is something to this. Further, if you try a ritual and uh, you find that at certain times it works and at other times it doesn't, by having a journal which keeps a record of everything you're doing, including your attitude, including the weather, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, It looks as if the storm may have bypassed us that we were expecting here in beautiful downtown French Lick. Except actually we're not downtown. We're sort of... uh, Out in the boonies. Of French Lick. But you can check it. And I've seen some people who their records show that if they get angry... The ritual works well. For other people, if the weather is like right where, like we're having right now, and uh, it feels like you're going to have a rainstorm and the air is filled with negative ions and maybe a cool breeze, for them it works very well. And for other people, it doesn't work at all. So it's discovering what is the cause, or I should say, what is. Uh, 
strengthening and manifesting your own magic that is the purpose of the magical diary. Okay. So you're trying to keep track of all the variables Absolutely. as much as you can think of. And Absolutely. Yeah. So you might want to keep track of how you were feeling physically, mm -hmm. how you were feeling mentally, how you were feeling emotionally, what the weather was like, where the, uh, was it a full moon, a new moon, mm -hmm. um, uh, where you are, can you see the sun, are you outside, inside, what are you wearing? Are you wearing cotton, wool, artificial uh, clothes? Right. Track as much as you can and then compare them over time with other rituals. So, uh, and of course, what was the success? You know, if you wanted something to occur within two weeks, did it. Right. And see all the ones that were successful and say, what did I do here as compared to the ones that weren't successful? And then you can increase the success rate. See, and I like looking back at different things just for validation because some because this isn't tangible I mean it is but it's not so when you start to doubt hmm is magic really real and you can go back and look at oh this really did happen and and it gives you a little more confidence sometimes which will help I, I agree 100% a lot of people when they when they hear that magic is real, mm -hmm. or there's someone who believes magic is real, they think, oh, that's just somebody with a pie in the sky and they'll believe <laughs> anything. And my attitude is that people who want to practice real magic and, ooh, get in the plug. Uh, <laughs> You can find information on how to practice real magic in my book, Modern Magic, spelled M-A-G-I-C-K. And if you're focused on sexuality, there's Modern Sex Magic, mm -hmm. which uh, both of them are available from the usual outfits. Your local store can order them or through Amazon, or they're available from the publisher, uh, Llewellyn Publications. Um, and when you, and I believe that you should be a skeptic. Now, a lot of people think that a skeptic is like the guys you see on TV who just simply denounce everything. Right. But that's a debunker, not a skeptic. <laughs> okay. The debunkers have their own belief system. They're not really skeptics. They're just trying to debunk anything that disagrees with their belief system. So okay. they're as true believers as the people who are the uh, the true believers of something else, whereas a real magician, in my opinion, is a real skeptic. Now, listeners to the podcast will know Don comes from one space, I come from a different space. Don will be interested in the magical, the working, the manifestation, the energy. I just want to have better sex. I want to be able to last longer. I want to get my ladies off. I want to get men off if I decide to play. I just want to be better at sex. Should I go study something else before I approach your book? Uh, well, first of all, uh, by the way, that was Don with an A-W. I'm Don with an O. Uh, <laughs> just to keep, uh, keep it separate for our people, our listeners in the, at home in the listening audience. If I'm referring to tentacle sex, it's probably Don, Don with the A-W-N. Yes, absolutely. Unless you're worshipping his noodliness uh, and the like. Uh, by the way, if, as you listen to this, you can hear that I'm joking a little bit. That's because because although I take what I practice and what I have learned seriously, I'm far too busy having fun to take myself seriously. So please don't mistake my uh, my sense of humor, or as some may call it, uh, for not taking what I what I'm talking about here seriously. Uh, the goal of sex magic and sacred sexuality has as a side benefit 
enhanced sexuality. If you are just looking to enhance sexuality, there are bunches of great books on that. But I think, and this is my opinion from my experience, is that although most of the books on enhanced sexuality, and there's some great ones, there's one uh, that I know of because I looked at it a long time ago called ESO, uh, that you may be familiar with, which stands for Extended Sexual Orgasm. Nice. Uh, and it's a good book. But in my experience, it's one level down. That is, it's possible to increase and enhance your sexuality, your pleasure, your joy, your partner's joy, up to a certain level. And it can be incredible. It can be amazing. But now imagine taking that higher, hmm. deeper, further. And I think when you add the uh, spiritual aspect to it, then you are reaching something that is far more potent and capable of something even more. And a lot of times people are not expecting it. Now, uh, I talked about something like this uh, briefly to give people an idea of what I mean. I was practicing a certain form of extend, uh, extended sexuality with my partner. And part of what we do in this technique is... Uh, work with opposite breathing. As she inhales, I exhale. As I exhale, she inhales. And look at each other's eyes. You're deeply, mm. and we're not doing a bunny rabbit sex, you know, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. <laughs> Rather, uh, I was penetrating her, and uh, we were physically not moving, although, oh, I got a drop. Her inner muscles were contracting while we were doing it, but I was looking in her eyes and visualizing, imagining, uh, sending energy to her and receiving it. And I happened to look down and her skin had changed from its normal color to being absolutely transparent. It was astounding. And I'm saying, your skin, it's, it's transparent. I can see right through it. And she's going, would you please keep going? <laughs> And it was an astounding sensation. For her, it was a deeper sense of satisfaction because it was more than just this extended sex and this uh, sense of deep sexual enjoyment and satisfaction. It was going beyond linking her with the universe, if you will, linking her with the divine, some people would say. So I would say that if people are looking for just sexual bliss, then there are other books that might be good. But if you're looking for that next step higher, more complete, more organic, more exciting, then it's very possible that my books would be able to help you on that path. They're not the only ones, but I kind of like them. Very cool. <laughs> well, the rain is starting to fall, and we have electronics out. So one more quick question, if okay. you don't mind. Dawn is uh, very experienced in her path with, working with, with, the AW. with yes. working with magic and stuff. And um, I am not. Is this a good book for people that are just getting started? Absolutely. It'll be good for people who are experienced and good for people who have no experience at all. I take you from knowing nothing to knowing everything you need. How do I find out more about this book? Uh, you can check out my website, www.modernmagic, one word, and that's M-A-G-I-C-K dot com. Fantastic. Excellent. We're going to run from the rain. Thank you very much. Thank you. Want to be part of Erotic Awakening? Want to share your favorite kink and event podcast or book? Toss us an email at danandon at eroticawakening.com. Let's hear what you have to say.
Did you know you can buy the new book, Living a Mess by Dan and Dawn, as well as an Erotic Awakening t-shirt, messenger bag, coffee mug, simply by visiting the shopping support page of the Erotic Awakening website? Any dollar and 20 cents we make from anything sold on the site goes directly back into the continuing educational mission of Erotic Awakening. Thank you for your support. For all your rope and erotic wood toy needs, we highly recommend Maui Kink. Maui Kink at www.mauikink.com is the place to go. And when ordering, don't forget to select that you heard about them via the Erotic Awakening on the checkout form. Erotic Awakening is grateful for the support of the Kink Shop. The Kink Shop provides quality merchandise at affordable prices and features various BDSM implements for lifestylers by lifestylers. Visit them online at www.thekinkshop.com. Music heard on Erotic Waking is provided by Pocket Universe for music that has been crafted and designed for scenes that range from sensual to dynamic BDSM. Visit them at <laughs> www.pocketuniversemusic.com. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. Thank you.